Hello and welcome to the Traveler's Blueprint Podcast. Today with me, as always, is the zesty Elliot Shibley. Elliot. Zesty Italian. Here. Yes. <laughs> All right. As a reminder, please join us on the Traveler's Blueprint community on Facebook and please leave us a review wherever you're listening. Okay, so today we talked to an awesome power couple powering their way through the world with two young kids. So they started their journey back in June of 2018 when they decided to quit their jobs, sell all of their things, and travel the world full time. So they've been to some incredible places in Southeast Asia, and we actually spoke with them as they were sitting in Australia. The, the fascinating thing about this is that they're not only doing it full time, but they're doing all of this with a six-year-old and a two-year-old. And they chronicle all of their adventures on social media, and I would really highly recommend you checking them out on all of their pages. So without further introduction, I welcome to you Rod and Jess of the Jet Setting family. Welcome to the Traveler's Blueprint. Start designing your next adventure. Jess and Rod, thank you for coming on our show. Uh, before yeah, thanks before we get for having in, us. Yeah, yeah, we're really looking forward to this. Um, so according to your website, you became the Jet Setting family and you were, so you, you were living in the U.S. with a comfortable home, comfortable home, comfortable job, and a comfortable routines, right? And you summed it up as, you know, living the American dream, but then you guys just decided that it, it wasn't for you. You wanted to change it. If you wanted to figure out how to get out of the uh, the climb up the corporate ladder, uh, which I think you know so many people are familiar with now. Um, I'm just curious, you know, in those early stages, what changed your perspective on your lives at that point, and and pushed you into living this awesomely nomadic lifestyle? <laughs> <laughs> I think it was a couple of different factors. One being when before we had kids, at least I was a huge avid traveler. Rod, not so much. And we knew when we had kids, we wanted to vacation. I would never say with the thought of full-time travel across our minds when we were having kids. But we wanted to vacation. And when we had our son, um, he had some medical issues with something called sensory processing disorder, which prevented us from traveling and pretty much kept us homebound. Like he was very anxious going to birthday parties, grocery stores. We mm -hmm. couldn't do anything. Um, and it was hard for us. We're very social people to be confound to our home pretty much. Um, we did two years of very intensive therapy, like 20 hours a week at Children's Hospital Colorado and a place called Star Institute in Denver. And he saw drastic changes and he quickly improved and became a whole different kid. And then right when he was at that cusp of getting better, we took a trip to Ixtapa, Mexico. And that was the longest vacation that I'd ever had. So I'd, I've done, you know, 10 years in the Air Force as an engineer and usually you know, you get 30 days, but you can only take maybe one week at a time. And a lot of that time we did, we use it to spend time with family since Jess's family is in New Mexico. My family's in San Diego and California. So this two week vacation was just eye opening and game changing for us. That entire time we were thinking, you know, we're having such a great time together. We enjoy spending time with each other, with the kids. Is there any possible way for us to live this kind of lifestyle? And Around that same time, this was in March of 2017, 
um, that we had we were just getting into Instagram, into social media, and we were seeing other families that were living this lifestyle. They were living and working on the road. They didn't have a home per se, but they traveled. They got to spend time with their kids and they built a sustainable lifestyle as digital nomads. We joked about it the whole trip. My parents were like, you guys are crazy. That's never going to happen. Yeah. So, they looked at so many things like, hey, uh, can I learn to do software programming online? Yeah. <laughs> And we just really saw our son. He was really excited. He was capable. Um, for him who had sensory issues, we realized, you know, the world is a whole sensory experience. Having him in the pool and the sand and on the boat um, were great ways to include his therapy on the road. And uh, so it was that trip, I think, that really made us realize, mm -hmm. okay, we we thought we would never be able to travel again. And now that we can, like, we just were so grateful and wanted to soak it all in. <laughs> Yeah, so we got back from that trip uh, back to Colorado, and uh, one thing that Jess hasn't mentioned is ever since Santi was born, so our son is six years old now, our younger daughter is two, um, so ever since Santi was born, Jessica started getting into photography, and uh, over those you know five years um, up to that point, she got really good. <laughs> I don't know about really good, but I liked learning to capture his moments. It started with I kept paying people, and I finally realized I needed to just do it myself. So Yeah, so we kind of started narrowing in, can we build a lifestyle based off of uh, photography and journalism? So we started thinking, okay, let's do a test run. I still had my job, um, and we were still in Colorado. And during the weekends that summer of 2017, we would just go travel to places in Colorado. We would take little road trips on the weekends. We'd go see national parks. We'd go see state parks. We'd go see attractions. And every now and then we'd also email a hotel or two and saying, hey, you know, we would love to take uh, family photography pictures for your um, hotels so that you can include it for your marketing purposes and your commercial use. And uh, some of them actually gave us a shot, which was really weird. <laughs> so and some of them didn't, but we still ended up purchasing them. And we pretended like we were working for the hotels and we would take pictures with our kids there and we would post it on Instagram and we would see, hey, what kind of reception are we getting uh, through social media? Do people actually like this stuff? Is this something that we can continue to build upon and give us confidence so that we can make that decision to um, sell everything and kind of start this adventure. So that's a really long answer. <laughs> no, that, that seems like a short answer. That's awesome, though. <laughs> it was very thoroughly thought out. So we what get was... asked a lot, I guess, by yeah. random people. <laughs> so we get just... asked all the time, like daily. We get asked, what made you do this? <laughs> and a lot yeah. of people think, oh, you guys are such risk takers. And like, really? Maybe Jess is more of a risk taker a than I am. I'm a risk taker. But I'm pretty like <laughs> conservative <laughs> decision well, it, maker. It, it, it seems like there wasn't at this point in your lives like this distinct, um, you know, this this drastic change. It seems like it was just snowballing into it at that point, right? You're just slowly making adjustments because I know at one point, you know, from from what I've read, there seems to be a point where it was drastic and you decided to sell your your belongings, correct? Yeah, and I think we we had this idea, like we had this idea of this is what we want to do. I would have probably sold my stuff the day we got back from our trip and peaced. But I have a husband who's way more practical and <laughs> responsible than I, I guess. It's a good balance. Yeah, I mean, we had to 
It's a good balance. Sandy was still in school. Um, I was still in in my job at the time. And in in the military, at least in the Air Force, you have to give at least six months of notice before you uh, separate from the military. And And so when we decided, Rod had kind of agreed with me, like if we could grow our Instagram and get to, to kind of prove to him that maybe we could make this work in a way, he'd be willing to quit his job. And I remember being nervous this whole time. It was probably about a six month period, maybe, where I was, yeah, was like, from like, is March he going to gonna submit his paperwork? Will he submit his paperwork? And I was so nervous because that's a big moment. And I also remember I'm very close with my parents. I talk to them daily um, <laughs> telling Rod, whatever you do, do not tell my parents because they're going to be mad and I don't want them to convince <laughs> us not to go. So do not tell them anything until you've quit and it's a done deal and we can hit the road. So I think the day Rod put in his notice was when it really got real. Like, I think that's when all the emotions came because it was at that moment where I'm like, okay, we have no job in six months. We have to find someone to buy or rent our house in six months. Mm -hmm. We need to get all this crap sold in six months. So it, it was that moment being like, okay, this is real. This is no longer this thing we dream about and joke about at night. Like we have six months to get life on the road moving. Yeah. Yeah. I, going back to your point about taking risks, we had someone on a few weeks ago and he was saying somewhat the same thing. He's a wildlife photographer, travels the world, and people tell him all the time, like, wow, you take so many risks. And to him, he doesn't see it as a risk. He sees it as a risk to not live your life by staying at home with a safe job and not exploring the world. And I think for us, we kept saying when people were like, you guys are crazy, you're leaving, you know, especially with the Air Force, you know, we were halfway to retirement, a really good retirement in the military. We, Rod taught at the Air Force Academy, loved his job. And people are like, well, why are you doing this? Like you're risking so much. And to me, I'm like, okay, if we don't go, we'll always wonder what if, if we go and we don't make a business out of it, well, we got one year of an amazing vacation around the world. Like, how can you ever regret that? Like, you'd never regret that. And then we come back and there's always a job waiting for you. I mean, you can always find something. It might not be exactly what you had and you might have to work your way back to something you truly love. But I also think we knew that travel would open our eyes up to different jobs we might have never thought of or explored that when we came back, we might be able to segue into. So for me, I'm like, if it works out and becomes a job and a career, that would be the ultimate dream. But it's still something to never be regretful of or disappointed about that you got to spend a year with Mm -hmm. your kids every moment, especially for Rod, who worked and didn't get to see their childhood. Like he gets to see those first all the time now. And so that's really something we said at the end of the day, a house is a house. Belongings are belongings. Like we could start over easily. Um, yeah, and we won't be tied to a specific location. We won't. We don't have any stuff. We have three luggages and a couple backpacks, and that's it. So, <laughs> and we've learned so many different skills along the way, all throughout the travel industry, the online um, marketing industry, and I could still, you know, potentially go back to doing engineering um, here and there. And we we realized that it it was a kind of a win-win situation as Jess mentioned you know if one of the wins would be we continue and we make this a sustainable lifestyle the other win is hey we don't some people might view us as failure like hey you guys failed to launch a business but we view it as we tried something we had some phenomenal amazing experiences along the way and now we can continue to live our life um, in a different manner and settle down somewhere or just find different ways to travel more while you know holding 
jobs, whether they're remote jobs or um, other means of gaining an income. to Because we meet traveling. a lot of people while we travel. The expat community is huge. Um, and so it's really fun when you're at a local cafe or in a plaza or wherever to meet people and ask, well, what are you doing to fund your travels? And to really see that it's possible in a million different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. So I do want to talk a little bit about how you planned financially. Rod, being an engineer, I assume you had some kind of built-in safety net if the <laughs> if the finances didn't work out for the first six months. Did you guys have uh, built-up savings prior to leaving and prior to leaving your jobs? I would say we were not the best at savings. <laughs> right. We had a lot of stuff, though. We had a lot of value and crap I purchased at different places. I realized when we were selling things, you don't realize how much you buy. And I think that something now on the road will go to stores and it's like, oh, I want that. It's like, oh, I can't fit in my suitcase. And even now traveling, I realize how much I bought so unnecessarily and never needed. Um, but we sold, you know, all of our furniture, all of our belongings, our cars. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we had with that a pretty big chunk of money to work off of. And we ended up renting out our house. So we knew that the income from our house would also help. Um, because obviously one of the things when we were thinking financially too, is we knew we had to go somewhere cheap. So (laughs) Southeast Asia was on our radar because we knew, okay, we're getting this much from rent. We have this much from selling our things. So we need to, yeah, we want to make that budget stretch. So we want to be able to see as many different places, different cultures and start in a place where that budget will take us. That way we can build a business along the side so that right now we are primarily going on all of our savings and throughout, you know, the year or so that our budget kind of lasts, we can start generating the income through through the business uh, to be able to continue after that year once our savings run out and be able to have that kind of monthly um, revenue to continue traveling. I think our biggest safety net would be Rod did transfer to the Air Force Reserves because um, insurance was a big concern for us, having a child who had a medically intensive past, uh, whether we'll ever need to go back to that or not. We were just too scared to jump ship on insurance. So with that, we'll have to go home once out of the 11 months and he'll work 30 consecutive days. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, Rod, first, um, especially with Veterans Day coming up, I want to say thank you for your service. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. I, I, are you going to celebrate it at all over there in Australia? Mm, we weren't really planning on it, but we have seen uh, Australian veterans. When we go to the malls here, they set up little yeah. booths and they sell pins and stuff. I know mm-hmm. uh, just recently we learned that it is the 100th um anniversary of the end of world war one that's being celebrated on this veterans day so that's really cool uh to think about you know how far we've come along since then and just honoring we won't the past be getting and honoring three IHOP pancakes this year <laughs> no 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 <laughs> or i have the burgers <laughs> oh, man i miss me some IHOP. yeah <laughs> Yeah, until you have it one time, and then you're like, you know, this this is horrible. I want I want to go back to <laughs> probably, Southeast Asia. Probably, yeah. yeah. All right, that so Chick Fil A, I'd go back for for. <laughs> yes, yeah, you are missing out there. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, it's it's awesome. I love Chick Fil A. Um, all right, so so now I, one of my biggest questions I had when I discovered you know you your family online was that bringing your young children with you. So I recently, ha- I have a newborn baby. She's th- She was three months yesterday. 
And uh, my wife, thank you. My wife and I both enjoy travel very much. And after the after our daughter was born, we're now contemplating how do we do it? Can we do it? Are we going to have to cut out some of the countries that we wanted to see, like specifically Cambodia, where you just came from, and Angkor Wat, which is high on our our list? Can we do it? You know, should we just go to these countries that you know maybe? European countries that are a lot easier logistically to work with. We don't know. We're still trying to figure that out. So, so I'm really curious how this is all working out with your, you know, your young son and your young daughter, and how they're adjusting and and you know going with this this incredible mm-hmm. lifestyle now. I think that you would be amazed at how adaptable kids are and how friendly people are throughout the world. You know, I think Cam- it's funny, Cambodia and Vietnam were probably the two countries we got the most questioning on. Like, are you sure you're going to take your kids there? And we found them to be some of the two friendliest countries out of everywhere we've been, especially with kids. Mm-hmm. Like in Cambodia, the waiters would come and take our kids and play with them in the restaurant so we could have a peaceful meal. They would hold Nora and walk her throughout the restaurant. And that wasn't like one occurrence. This was like three times a day, every day, the whole time we're there. The people are so loving. I found that true in Cambodia, Vietnam, Indonesia. Um, you feel more of a sense of community with children. Like I feel like in the United States, if your child starts crying, you get these evil stares. <laughs> As a mom, you're anxious. You're like, oh, crap, I'm ruining the peace. And you just it's you feel flustered. Mm-hmm. And I feel like throughout Asia in general, if our children had a hard time or whatever, the waitress would be like, oh, enjoy your meal. I'm going to take her outside and pick flowers or let me sit down and read a book. And I found that like very drastically different than the U.S., just the amount of community love towards kids. And I will say, I think the biggest benefit of us traveling with kids is is it's so different. Like I backpacked to 25 countries before kids and it's definitely different now. But I feel like traveling with kids lets you to connect to people way more because when it's just adults and adults, as adults, we're kind of cold, not cold, but it's not it's as approachable. Reserved. It's yeah. more reserved. When you have kids, you get a very local experience because locals want to take pictures with your baby. If that's something you're uncomfortable with, you need to be prepared. Um, <laughs> you get asked a lot for people to take pictures with your kids, but they want their kids to play with your kids. They want, so like we've met so many locals and have been invited to so many local experiences just through our children. That we would never would have we would have never had on our own. We didn't bring the kids along. Yeah. Um. I do think the one thing that maybe we get, I don't know. You have to be more open minded to is definitely. I understand like safety concerns. Like for us who travel full time, we finally. I know we'll probably get heat for it, but ditched the car seat throughout Southeast Asia, and we just held Nora. Um. Santi had like a portable booster seat, but we were in and out of tuk tuks, in and out of. So I think in that regard, you have to be a little bit more flexible and realize, yes, this isn't what is necessarily considered safe in the U.S. Like, this is how the local people here live. This is how other parts of the world don't have car seats or don't use car seats. They're in and out of tuk-tuks. They're in and out of rickshaws. They're on mopeds with their children. And we just kind of said, we're going to do what locals do. Um, prayed that everything went well and we've had great experiences. Mm-hmm. I think if you are more rigid with those things, um, it can be a little trickier. Yeah. And there's, you know, we did bring a stroller along. There's some places where the infrastructure isn't as built up as we expected it to be. So there's, you know, not necessarily any sidewalks. The streets are narrow. So if you brought a stroller, 
we ended up just leaving it in our room and then carrying her around, letting her walk as much as we could. So it's just having that flexibility and knowing that you need to be flexible, have a little bit more time when it comes to going on transportation, getting to the airport, going on bus rides, packing lots of snacks for the kids to keep them entertained. Um, I will say that we had all these nightmare scenarios like, hey, you know, they're going to be crying the entire flight or they're going to have this miserable time and they're going to be hating it and they're going to hate us forever. Uh, and that just it hasn't, hasn't ended happened. up happened and that's you know just to to tie it back to jess's first point that adaptability in the kids is something that we absolutely underestimated and Completely. now that we've been through this journey you know five or for about five months it's like hey when S santi in particular he's like oh what next place are we going to now are we going somewhere <laughs> new today like this is so he's cool so excited um and i think too like making sure you do fun family friendly things with your kids like yes touring parks of asia probably isn't top of my list but we go to a playground almost every day for a little bit because as much as we have things like anchor what we want to see and we make that fun for our kids um we also need to make sure they're having fun too so like our kids can tell you about the park playgrounds around the world they've had a world playground tour <laughs> <laughs> But it makes our day a lot easier when everyone kind of gets something they want. And then I really stress as your child gets old, older, like the importance of making up games that don't require things. We play a lot of I Spy. We play um, just simple games like today at the beach. Um, you know, I wasn't in the mood to run around like normal and crazy. So you get little 10 cent toys and the little candy dispenser machines and you dig them. And then you say, we're having a treasure hunt. I'm going to sit here and watch you. You need to find five treasures within this. So like cheap games that don't require toys, you get creative. And, you know, our kids don't miss toys. Like they play with random stuff everywhere play with we go. rocks and sticks and empty water bottles that they fill up and do bottle flipping to get it like upright. You know? <laughs> it's just crazy. What? You're at a sweet age, though. I think that before they walk, you pop them in a baby carrier, you could totally rock anchor walk. No <laughs> yeah. problem. Yeah, Super it's easy. The, the flight that I'm worried about. Um, that's um, really, yeah, that's a long flight from the East Coast to flight. Yeah, yeah. I think the hard part is what we realized, too, is we're really blessed that we're staying in a region so long, we don't have to deal with the time change as much as like a lot of times from the US, you only have seven, 10 days. So it's like, you know, three of those days you're acclimating. Mm -hmm. um, and so I do see this, like that part being difficult. And that's been the nice part of full time travel is we try to stay in a region. So the long haul is really worth it since we're there for five months. Yeah. I, I want to go back to your actual first trip and you, was that mid last year, summer or? We left in June. It was in June of this year when we actually started full-time travel. Okay. Last year we were doing kind of the little trips across Colorado okay. um, in which we were kind of testing, you know, our idea and trying mm -hmm. to see if it's something that we were enjoying or that our kids were enjoying and, and stuff like that. It's more like but... would a hotel enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> so your first trip this June outside of the country, test actually implementing your theory. Nora would have been a few months younger, so would she was she still two or was she one? Yeah. Okay. She's two. She's turning three this uh this, this month. month. Yeah. Okay. And Santi is still probably six, maybe five. He was five. He just turned six mm -hmm. this right. last month. And were they what was at least Santi's thought when you guys started this adventure? And Nora probably didn't 
Nor didn't know any different. Yeah. No. <laughs> so growing for up for little kids, as long as they have their parents, they're pretty happy. Yeah. So we so our first trip was to um, Hawaii. So we were in Albuquerque, New Mexico, visiting family. We flew uh, to L.A., had a short layover there, and then over to Maui. We made it to Maui at about 11 p.m. And uh, all we remember from that day is just getting to the airport. We were tired. It was a 13-hour travel day because we had a long layover in L.A. Yeah, yeah. So it was a really long day. Uh, But we made it. We got to our Airbnb and we fell asleep. And that next morning, it was was a random, I think it was a Tuesday. It was probably the coolest feeling in the world. Yeah, so we we woke (laughs) up and... The entire, you know, way from the airport to our Airbnb, it was dark, so we couldn't see any of the island. We woke up to this new location with no plan in place. Usually when we go on vacations, it's like, oh, you know, we're only here for a week, so we're going to do this, 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 and this. That day, we knew that we were going to be kind of resting and recovering, so we had no plans in mind. We walked outside. We were across the street from the beach. We went on a beach walk. Right next to the beach, there was a park with an amazing, like, breakfast place there, but too. But there's nothing to, like, describe the liberating feeling of, like, you've thought, we thought about it for, like, a year. Like, the, the getting ready to going part was the most intense thing ever. I mean, I think I really underestimated that process. And so I feel like you feel like, oh, we're never going to leave. We're never going to leave. Like, is this worth it? You have all these fears, all these doubts. Should we go? Are we crazy? And then when you get there and you wake up that morning and feel like, we did it. Yeah, it we was crazy. We have nothing but these three bags, and we have no plans and can do anything we want today. It was, I mean, I remember crying, like, tears of, like, this is mm-hmm. life. <laughs> this it is awesome. Out, yeah, it turned out <laughs> to be a very ordinary day. Like, in the context of our five months of travels, we had some really exciting excursions and experiences and activities. But that first day still sticks in our minds, like, so clearly. And we did nothing Just but- because of that feeling of freedom eat and go to the beach but it <laughs> yeah. was still incredible and we took the kids to the yeah. park of course <laughs> yeah. uh but you know that that was the the very first kind of feeling that we had we um we stayed in maui for about a week and then flew over to honolulu and oh, we're in the island for about two weeks but our first kind of big international visit was from hawaii to uh, manila the philippines because we only stopped there for about four to five days and uh, one of the reasons we did that is, you know, the, the air travel. We were very we were concerned about having a really long flight. That flight ended up being about 10 hours, which uh, the kids, you know, we underestimated. We thought they were going to do uh, really poorly, but they did really well. <laughs> uh, so we, we got to Manila. congratulations. <laughs> no, yeah. I feel like the first flight was like Russian roulette. Like like you just don't know. Now our kids fly typically once a week. And so I have no anxiety. Like they, they get on a plane, they know they know the drill. Like it's easy. Mm-hmm. That first flight though, I still had that fear of like, and it's funny because part of the fear is like how this is going to be stressful for me. But then a huge portion of the fear is the judgment from others. People are going to yeah. be mad at me. So that's, yeah, that's one of my big concerns. But you know, it's 10 hours of your life for an incredible experience. So right, mm-hmm. right put up with it fight through it and yeah it's worth it and you know what most people have been in that situation before it's not the end of the world you know to put some people through that even though you feel bad do you do you uh give them like an ipad or a kindle or anything to we do so santi 
is funny. If you were to interview Santi and he said he couldn't do this because Santi loves podcasts. He loves talking. <laughs> he would tell you he gets sad when it's a short flight because we're pretty strict on technology and flight times technology time for Santi. So he'll always ask us, how long is this flight? We're like three hours. Oh, man, that's too <laughs> short. He gets so sad about it because um, that is his technology time. If it's a really long flight, we don't let him do technology the entire time, but he still gets it more than normal. Nora has really no long interest in an iPad. Yeah, I mean, we'll give it to her. She'll watch it for like 20 minutes. And be and done. Like, okay, now what, I can, what else can I do now? So she's a little more <laughs> difficult, but we... As long as she has snacks and crayons and colors, mm -hmm. she's pretty. She's pretty happy. Yeah, I mean, on a long flight, especially that one to Manila, we we spent some time walking down the corridor, the the aisle, <laughs> you know, multiple times. Yeah. Uh, thankfully, they fell asleep for portions of it, and then they had movies um, that they can watch and kind of pick on their own screen, which was you know yeah. very handy. So it, you know, it was a smoother flight than we expected, which we're very glad for, because uh, we've got an upcoming flight. It's going to be our longest one yet coming or leaving um, Australia. So like 23 <clears throat> hours. Where are you going? Well, <laughs> I guess that's still up for debate. Yeah. We originally had planned to go <clears throat> to New Zealand next. Uh, we had an opportunity come up this week that might change that and send us to Florida. Ah, oh, coming back, so, coming back home. Sydney to Florida. So we wow. don't know for sure. It's not guaranteed until probably next week, but mm -hmm. that's what it's looking like. It's a long flight. That is a long flight. Wow. <laughs> I was, I, when I emailed you guys last night asking if uh, Santi and Nora were going to be on, and I got the email and I was like, oh no, because I really wanted, I was reading their, their bios on your website now. Yeah. Nora probably would have talked to you. She's kind of shy on the on, uh. online. Santi would do a full hour podcast with you. Like, <laughs> Maybe we'll have him on. <laughs> yeah. He they would totally rock it. I, while I was reading his stuff, he he sounds like me. Because when I grew up, I loved I loved Pokemon. Still kind of do. Uh, mm -hmm. And I read all of the Magic Treehouse books. Oh, man. And I'm he's pretty sure that's why I liked adventuring. Yeah. He's, uh -huh. he's a very old soul. He's funny. He is like he would prefer to sit at a dinner table with a bunch of adults and just talk for hours. He's a super old soul. And then Nora <laughs> is very much me. She's this like hippie free spirit. She's a free spirit <laughs> down to the core. Does yeah. I don't know. Nora's just Nora. <laughs> she does her own thing. You tell her to do something, then there's a 50-50 chance that she'll do it or not. <laughs> All right. And Sachi's a rule follower, so uh -huh. it makes it easy with him. Well, I want to talk a little bit about how you guys plan on teaching and doing schooling with, especially for Santi, since he's getting to that age, and eventually with Nora. Um, do you plan on traveling full time, like in, in, indefinitely, or do you plan well, right on now, working something it's out? It's indefinite, um, but I do think eventually, at some point, we just don't know at what point. I do value like the education system and him having peers and I think there's a lot to be gained from that structure so I think eventually we definitely want him back in a normal school for now we just do homeschool very I'll say very loosely but I think it's different Santi has always been very 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 academic he did kindergarten he, he qualified for early start so he finished kindergarten mm -hmm. actually first grade before leaving and he was four when he started um so he's pretty he's he's a few grades advanced which was another reason we wanted to leave now because we had this 
window of, you know, socially he's his age, but academically he was a little ahead. And how do we do that gap? So we really, for Santi, push more social interaction, which he's thrived mm-hmm. on a lot this year. We do do math books for him. Writing's really important. We try to keep him writing journals of where we've been because he does not like to write. Uh, <laughs> so just to work those yeah. fine motor skills. He likes to type. He doesn't like to write. Um, yeah, so we're just working the basics with him, you know, working with it, uh, basic math, a lot of writing. Um, but we also really emphasize the cultural experiences that we've been having along the way and giving them context of, you know, Anchor Wat, for example. What is Anchor Wat? Um, why is it here? Why is this important? And then not just that, but talking about it over and over again every time we're having dinner it's like we're talking about previous experiences so that he can internalize the experiences and help him remember more because you know one of the criticisms that we get is well why are you taking your kids traveling they're not going to remember any of it um so is it really even worth it for them and uh, yes they might not remember all of it but they will remember some of it and we're capturing the experiences through photo and video along the way to help them remind it but there's also a lot of intangible um benefits benefits and traits like the flexibility the adaptability the cultural they're going to be able to see the world through that they will carry on with them through the rest of their lives and you can teach kids so much just in everyday life like we're talking about anchor what but money Santi loves exchanging currency. So we'll be like, this costs this much money. This is the exchange rate. And he loves doing that. So like as we go and we're buying a bottle of water or even simple things throughout the day, we try to implement math. For Nora, Mm -hmm. for us, it's counting rocks, counting sticks. I mean, she's two. It's super basic. (laughs) Um, But with Santi, a lot of it definitely is the cultural stuff. Math, we do a lot of currency when we buying things, um, earning an allowance sometimes, how much do you need to get? Like, you know, you get so much for doing this. How many times do you need to do that in order to buy this thing you're trying to get? So we try to do a lot of learning through just everyday life. I think as he gets older, obviously we need to sit down and have a very formal curriculum. Um, but, and he also loves coding apps. So he gets to do that online too. He loves to code on his coding apps. Mm-hmm. Um, which is fun for him. So we try to use the internet. <laughs> As a six-year-old, he likes coding. Interesting. He's gaining wow. invaluable experience. That's incredible. It, I, I can see it's going to be have a positive influence on his life forever. We it's, hope so. We mm-hmm. think it oh, will. It, I, I don't yeah. see how it hit wouldn't. It's that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. You'll have to chat with him one day. Uh, one day. Yeah. yeah. We were actually, we, uh, we got haircuts today, both of us. And we were sitting on chairs next to each other, you know, getting our haircuts from different barbers. And I couldn't quite hear the conversation that he was having with his barber. But halfway through the haircut, the, his barber walks over to me. He's like, hey, uh, your son is telling me that he's traveled all over the world. Is that true? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, that is. You know, he can tell you more about it. That was crazy. <laughs> his people skills already at six years old seem seem to be amazing. Yeah. 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 Guys make me want to go wake him up. Like, <laughs> <laughs> We're not opposed to that completely. Yeah. <laughs> he seems like he'll be a socially advanced 10-year-old. That's awesome. Well, can you talk about some of the hardships that you've had? We've been really lucky as far as big hardships. Surprisingly, the biggest hardship was before we left, I got really, really sick. So we had to cancel our first flight, actually. <laughs> yeah, the, the first big hardship was the day 
after we left Colorado, we drove to Albuquerque. And that sprint from selling everything through to getting the house in order for our renters to me finishing my job to making sure we had all of our medical appointments set in place, all our flights, all, all our initial planning done. That took such a toll on us that right when we got to Albuquerque to visit family, we all got sick. <laughs> we yeah. were, or Jess had the worst. Um, she I was bedridden for hospital. about a week. But that was oh, the initial wow. hardship for us. Uh, since then, it's actually been a lot smoother. We, we haven't gotten sick while traveling, which is nice. Uh, we've only had maybe like two flights that have been delayed, but the flexibility for us, um, knowing that we're full-time traveling and we're, you know, we can adjust our schedule as we need to. We, we try to keep our schedule relatively free unless we do collaborations with hotels when we know we have to be somewhere, but it allows us to spend a little bit more time somewhere if we wanted to, to, um, experience a place that, that we really wanted to see a little bit more in depth. Uh, but in terms of hardships, I'd say I think, getting ready to leave was the hardest part. Yeah, that, that was probably sure. the most stressful six months of my life. And it had nothing to do with the attachment to items. I, I feel like I was I was so excited to leave. I just wanted it all to vanish. Like I just kind of wished it would all just vanish and we could get on the plane and go. Um, but selling it all, I mean, oh, I probably never want to go to a garage sale again in my life. <laughs> we kept hosting <laughs> garage sales selling on Craigslist. I mean, getting rid of stuff is hard. And finally realizing you you have a lot of money in things, it's not going to sell. A part of you is emotionally sad that nobody wants your awesome stuff. <laughs> so you're having to donate it. And it's kind of heartbreaking to be like, man, I treasured this and now it's gone. I think that was really hard. And especially for me, because Santi was in school full time. He was still doing swimming and karate and the crazy life that we had back home. Um, he was still in Actually, he wasn't in therapy at the time. Mm -mm. Um, I had Nora home. Rod worked full time. We were still trying to grow the Instagram page. So it's like I had my kids. Rod was working. I was still trying to promote Instagram. We were trying to plan our travels. We were trying to get the podcast going. So it's like I felt like we were doing what we were doing now, but we had so much more going on um, that it was so stressful. And I think that people who want to do this need to just be prepared and know for us, it was worth it, but that was really hard. And I think the, the next hardest part was balancing life on the road. Yeah. And you know, a lot of, a lot of people think that we're on vacation for six months straight and we wish that could be the case. But if we, I mean, we do have an option to do that if we wanted to, but then that would um, deny us the opportunity to build this sustainable life to continue doing it. So the hardship for us is balancing, hey, we are here to do this, to spend more time with our kids. So when we're with them during the days, we need to be present and in the moment. That allows uh, that doesn't allow us to get kind of the work done that we need to in terms of outreach to brands and hotels for photography projects, doing all the social media stuff, doing the blog, pitching to different publications to try to get some press, um, planning the next you know couple of weeks of where we're going. So we those work. are all things that we end up doing after we put the kids down to bed. So we, the first couple of months, even still today, we're having late nights uh, just working on it. But it's it's something that we're very passionate about. So it doesn't feel like it's work, but it's, it's exhausting, still though. exhausting because like the we, next day the kids are going to be up, you know, at 6 a.m. regardless of how late we stay up and we need to be ready 
to be present in the moment with them for that day. So finding that balance uh, as to yes, you know, we we need a we still don't really have a, a great solution for that. We work from out. seven to one a.m. a lot. That's wow. like our schedule. So, yeah. um, and that's after like a full day out with the kids doing things. So I mean, it's exhausting, but to us it's worth it. And we hope as we grow and it, it'll become a little easier. Mm-hmm. Um, there have been opportunities to get a babysitter here or there um, when we're in a sp- but we feel like place, we but... did this to spend time with them. So that defeats the purpose kind of for us. Right. <laughs> so we do, we, it's crazy hours. And then it's also hard sometimes being at a place you're so excited to explore and being like, I have deadlines and need to get stuff done. So I just arrived to Chiang Mai. I know there's an, like, you know, these awesome temples and I'm confined to my Airbnb because we need to get this video out. So that part sometimes is a little, I mean, sob story, play my little fiddle, but. (laughs) So, so what you just told us is sort of exactly what got us into this podcast to begin with, because we were seeing these awesome Instagram pages and reading these awesome blogs. And it's like, how do these people do this? And we were genuinely curious how, you know, how they're figuring it out logistically, what was going on behind the scenes. And so now, you know, to talk to you and hear it, it that's, that's awesome. And, and it sort of puts it in perspective because a lot of people just see the facade of Instagram and don't understand, you know, yeah, what's going on, you know, in the background, the daily grind that people actually have to put into this, that it's not just it's hard for Instagrammers to talk about it. Cause I feel like you can say we work really hard, but since they're only seeing those pictures, people are kind of like, we don't want to hear that. They don't tell like, and you they don't, don't understand. Yeah. Like we don't want to hear the fact that you're working hard when we see a picture of you there. And it's like, okay, yes, but I, I don't think people truly understand like the lack of sleep and the exhaustion that goes into making it happen. Cause right. Yeah. And, and people don't value it as being hard work because there's an enjoyable aspect to it. Some people want you to suffer like they have to, you know, and, you know, it's like, OK, yeah, you're working, but you're on the beach. So it's not work. Well, yeah, it's still work. But I figured out how to do something that I enjoy, yes, you know, exactly. and there's nothing wrong with that. And, and it's and, funny because Rod even said yesterday, he's like, you know, our jobs are to capture our family having enjoyable moments. And for a lot of times we do experiences where capturing enjoyable moments. He's like, but sometimes I find capturing the moment makes it so much less enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, rather than just living it. Just right. living it. Because, you know, I feel like that you have to find a balance too of like, I True. am here. I only get to be here this one week. I want to enjoy it. I'm here to capture it. So how do you find that balance so that you're still living in mm-hmm. the moment? Yeah, so we do we we try to build it into our schedule for having a day or two when we're not taking any cameras, any recording equipment, and we're just spending that day um, with the family and enjoying ourselves. It makes it seem like we're on vacation on those days, and we try not to work those nights. Uh, but then again, we, the next day or two, that we know we have to get back into the grind of it, get back into the planning. Uh, so that's that's one of the other balance things that we've been trying to work out is. You know, it's it's not enjoyable to take your camera every single place that you go to and take pictures every single place that you go to. Uh, while, yes, it'll be nice to have those memories in the future. Some memories are also good to be enjoyed in the moment. <laughs> and I think also for us and for other families who end up collabing in the future, we're trying to kind of make ourselves some collabs, I guess I'll say it this way, have like set itineraries of like, we want a picture of this at this time, a picture of this at this time. And I feel like at the beginning, we would agree more because, you know, you want to build that resume. And now we're trying to get to a point where we can say, you know, 
we capture our kids in the moment. Because at the end of the day, our kids aren't actors. Our kids aren't models. Um, we don't want this to feel like a job for them. Uh, it's one thing capturing your kid playing at the beach. And that's something you would probably capture. I would have as a mom anyway, as being like, we're going to be in this room for 30 minutes. Everyone needs to be happy because they want the picture. And so um, I think finding that balance there too, uh, to try to make it be more enjoyable. And I think that some of our best work, actually, I think all of our best mm-hmm. work comes in those moments where we're just living in our li- like our normal life and we get to capture our kids yeah. truly having fun. Truly yeah. candid moments. Mm-hmm. I, they, they offer, they are the best pictures. Mm-hmm. So... Um, but I'm really glad that you've been able to share your story because for people that want to travel even part-time or take a long vacation that have kids, their biggest regret or biggest concern is, all right, how do I travel with kids? And you're clearly proving that it's possible. And it is. It's, it's a little bit of work, but the kids will absolutely benefit from it. They're adaptable. They can handle it. I don't think we give kids enough credit for being good people like they can do stuff on their own they can and I feel like we don't give enough credit either at how kids truly I think the thing that I love the most is seeing kids have no prejudice they have no preconceived notions so sometimes you know this this cruise we did down the Mekong River you know we went to some really rural villages in Cambodia and you know they don't speak a word of English Mm -hmm. um we show up you know I don't really know how my kid's going to react And within five minutes, he's playing tag with all these local kids and having like the time of his life. And it's like, I feel like we as parents worry more about how will they react or will my kid be okay? And it's like the kids don't. The kids just want to have fun no matter where they are in the world. They want their parents. They want to be fed and they want to have fun. And I think that you also have to tell yourself, I can travel pretty much I mean, not everywhere, but my kind of rule is if people are raising kids there and there's not like an ongoing war of some sort, but like if people are raising kids there, my kids can be there too. Like there will be ways for my kids to adapt there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and-, and I think you also have to know what your kids' challenges are. Like for us, Santi with his sensory stuff is the world's pickiest eater. So that's the only thing we really have to worry about, but we just navigate that. And, you know, if we're going on a cruise and we don't know if they'll have food for him, we'll pack him food. Yeah. Um, And in terms of, you know, the kids will have bad moments as well, but the way we think about it is, Hey, our kids are going to throw tantrums, whether we're in Cambodia, whether (laughs) we're here in Australia or whether whether in in the U S in our home in Colorado. Might as well be somewhere cool. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Um, Agreed. That reminds me of a book that I used to read growing up, and it was uh, The Terrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. <laughs> yeah. and I've seen that one. Yeah. <laughs> Santi might like it. I still like it. He, he, I think he has it. Well, I think he had he it. Watched, it was sold at a garage sale. I'm he sure. watched like the first 20 minutes of the movie somewhere uh, oh, yeah. with subtitles, I think. <laughs> so we need to get him the book so he can finish it. Yeah. yeah. Well, and the whole tagline is, uh, you're going to have a terrible, no good, very bad day. Even in Australia. (laughs) (laughs) Nora, it's funny you say Australia. She had one of those moments today. She started off rough. And it was one of the times if you see bad moments with our kids, if you want like the real behind the scenes look of our life, usually it's on stories. Um, We've been kind of slacking with stories lately. But typically stories is where you'll see a meltdown, a tantrum, some chaotic thing that happened, a funny moment that happened along the way. I think that's more valuable, especially to your followers, to see the real the real aspect of it. Um, I enjoy that more 
than just these awesome doctored pictures. That's just me. I like the real, the you know, the raw footage, so to speak, because it gives you a better idea of, you know, what you're actually doing, how you're living. It's it's very interesting. And I think that's hard because I feel like, you know, f- for us, we want to portray places in a way that you want to visit and to make people know they're family friendly. So a lot of times we post these polished pictures but then it's also hard because I always get worried I'm like Rod what if we meet up with someone because we meet up with followers sometimes along the way I'm like and then they see my kids tantruming and they're gonna be like what happened to that family like (laughs) we are (laughs) normal we might like so sometimes I worry too because it's like everyone not everyone but most people on Facebook and Instagram are putting their highlights up and it's like there's so many behind the scenes that go on Mm -hmm. that are chaotic and crazy and I don't know. They doing just it, are what they are. Yeah, yeah. Every family the, the same in that aspect. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. 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 I I want to ask a question going back to your work uh, while you travel. Do you ever pair up or do work with some of the places you travel to? Not just digitally, but like with the communities. Um, oh, that's an interesting question you have. Mm-hmm. So we set out to do a lot of volunteer work. Uh, I volunteered a lot before having kids um, in like South Africa and India. And so I really wanted that to be a big part of our travels. We volunteered at an orphanage in Bali with the kids, which we had an amazing experience. But it was shortly after that experience that I read up a lot on something like the volunteerism industry and how it's causing more harm than good. And it's been a really big struggle for me as we travel because I really want to give back and we really want to contribute. But to find ways to do so responsibly, one, and to be able to educate our audience on how to do so responsibly. So we've kind of actually taken a step back from volunteering now because I feel like I want to be more informed in that aspect (laughs) before we continue. I don't know if that's too complicated, but... (laughs) No, I actually am curious. Um, so, what is what is it about volunteerism that is not that is not helping the communities? So, in volunteerism, if you research it and read statistics, um, a lot of these orphanages that are set up, or even schools where volunteers are coming in and, vol- and rotating, like you volunteer for a week and you leave, they have found that in some of the places, up to ninety percent of the children actually have families and homes in rural villages. They're not orphans, um, but that due to the funding brought in by Westerners, Mm -hmm. they are kind of told your child would be better off being sent there because they'll have more opportunities. And they push these families to give up their children to live there because these organizations are profiting off of it and know the more kids that look at need, the more money that comes in. And so they're using these kids as a front and it, it sounds crazy, but it's really, 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 really common. Like, it's insane. Yeah. And there's been a couple of research studies that indicate that, you know, children do better when we're there, when they're with their families. And granted, they do have, you know, additional educational opportunities in these schools that they get sent off to. But in the long term, that educational value that they receive doesn't outweigh the value that children have when they grow up with their families and with their siblings and with their community. Um, yeah. So for us, uh, like in Cambodia, we stopped by a school and it's and it opened my eyes to a place that I would like to volunteer for more organizations like that, where it was a local who was trying to build a school within his local community. He didn't have volunteers rotating and teaching all the time. He wanted to give 
jobs to local teachers to help grow that economy and to give jobs to locals. So they were looking more for like resources to help fund the school. So more monetary resources to help the locals help themselves um, because it's also proven to be detrimental. Like, and I'm guilty of it. I mean, I volunteered in India with schools. I volunteered in Africa and orphanages, but just that rotating, they said most volunteers who go to teach at a school like myself has no teaching background. And it's these kids are getting attached to these Westerners who leave right away. And so they they end up lacking proper attachment as they grow older because the people who run the orphanages or the schools know as Westerners, we want these kids to come and embrace us and we want them to we want to feel like we're these saviors. We want all that love shown to us. So they push the kids to do that. And it's not natural for like a five-year-old for the most part to just attach to random people. Typically they're with their parents looking for security and need that safety network. Um, So there's just a lot of new studies about volunteerism and how no fault to anyone doing it. I mean, I think most people going into it, you're going in with a good heart. You want to do good. You want Mm -hmm. to give back. Um, But after learning a lot about it, not only from research, but from locals um, and their experience on it, it kind of made me step back and realize I want to be more informed with where we volunteer. Like we would show up beforehand and, and Google orphanages and call and ask, hey, can we go? And then to realize, you know, we might not be supporting things that are truly beneficial to the children and actually might be detrimental to communities. We've kind of taken a step back to reassess like how we want to volunteer mm-hmm. moving forward. Wow. All right. I, yeah. I, <laughs> it's Yeah. Volunteerism, it seems like it has all good intentions, but clearly those good intentions have been misconstrued. Yeah, if you look up statistics, it's really fascinating. Um, it'd actually be an interesting podcast to find like a researcher on that industry to like help educate mm-hmm. um, how to properly volunteer. It's something we've looked into in the future, maybe trying to do uh, if we do season two. I don't know. Uh, something for you guys to consider. I think the more people who talk about it, the better educated we are. Yeah, yeah. I think that's how- yeah. I think we'll definitely look into that. That's very interesting, very eye opening, and something that I just was not aware of at all. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah. I had always been a proponent of volunteerism because I thought it was, you know, doing something about your travel, not just, you know, trying to experience the place, but also give back a little bit. Like you said, well, I worked for a company called Volunteering Solutions at one point, and I was recruiting people to do volunteer work around the world. So I definitely <laughs> at that time ah. didn't know. And I, I don't know. Maybe I still think they volunteer with some organizations that are great, not to put them down or any way, shape or form. But you know, it is what it is. I think it's important to be educated. And I just want to make sure, at least if we're promoting something or if we're doing something and encouraging others to do it, that, you know, we're doing so ethically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So not to not to kind of derail our conversation, but uh, <laughs> I want to get a brief, brief opinion of how, what you think about Peace Corps and Habitat for Humanity. Um, I would say I don't have enough information to give a true fact. I dreamt of going to the Peace Corps. Um, I think that all these places inspire to do good. Uh, I actually met with someone who lives in Cambodia. She's an American who lives in Cambodia. She's lived there for four years. And she strongly told me that she's against the, we had a, like a hour long conversation about volunteerism because I wanted to get her take as someone who lives in Cambodia and she's strongly against it. Um, she thinks that if you go to a different country, you should go to learn their ways of life, to appreciate their ways of life, but it to respect their ways of life as is and not, you know, volunteer, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. But she was against the Peace Corps, and I didn't really understand the full reasoning why. 
So I guess I'm not the person to ask. <laughs> oh, that's fair. We, we do have an episode uh, where we interviewed someone, a, a woman who spent two years in Paraguay with the Peace Corps. Oh, nice. Something yeah. that might be interesting to you. Yeah, it was a really, you know, she had, yeah, a very unique experience. It was really interesting. Yeah. And we're hoping to have someone on that did the Peace Corps in uh, Zambia. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, I feel like it's, for me personally, how I view the Peace Corps is from, because I had applied to the Peace Corps and was going to go, my dad wasn't so thrilled, so I didn't, but beside <laughs> the point, beside the point, um, I had friends who did go at the same time I was applying and their big thing was, is that they weren't assigned a project. They were told to go to the community to get to know the community and figure out what would be most beneficial to the community. And so I think if that's how it's run and that's the aspect, I think at least at that point, you know, you're not kind of, I think some of the places that I volunteered, I look back, I show up, I have two weeks there. I really have no clue what their local culture needs, wants, desires. It's like, here's what I'm told helps you. I'm going to do it and leave. So it's like you don't really ingrain yourself as a member of their community before imposing something where I feel like with the Peace Corps, you're there so long term, you become a community member who's then Mm -hmm. trying to like help. I mean, that's my view, but I, Mm -hmm. I don't know the full ins and outs of. I think, yeah, well, I think just the more time you spend in any place, you're going to feel more personal attachment and, and, and a feeling of responsibility to help Mm -hmm. those people. Yeah. It's really neat. And understand what they truly need. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That's a big thing. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, one of the aspects of our travels is that we're we're moving pretty quickly. We're spending, you know, as low as three days and up to maybe two weeks at most in a particular city or country. Uh, so it's it's been harder for us to form those ties, you know, culturally and with with the communities there to be able to to know and do the research as to what the best places and the best ways to help are. Um, down the line, we, you know, we definitely have plans to slow it down a little bit and spend some more time and kind of ingrain ourselves into um, a certain culture. Uh, but right now, based on the, the nature of the work that we do with hotels and with other brands as we travel, we, we don't really have that opportunity right, right now. But I think volunteering is something really important to us. I think we do want to give back and we do want that to be something our kids learn mm-hmm. um, that, you know, helping is an amazing way. I think we just want to make sure that we take the time to know where we're giving back is, is truly doing good. Yeah. I think that's very important. Agreed. Um, all right. So I want to segue into something a little different now. I, (laughs) I am curious. I want to hear some of the, the lighter sides of your experiences and maybe you can give us about, you know, give us an example of one of the funniest or one of your favorite experiences you've had with your family as, as you're going through this process. I would think if you want to say the Malaysia story was pretty funny. The Malaysia story. Kuala Lumpur bird park. (laughs) Oh man. It has a name. (laughs) So Santi is you know, he has a lot of gifts. He is a very academically talented kid. He is very funny, has a great sense of humor. But one of his weaknesses is that he's a little bit clumsy. He lacks coordination. He doesn't have, yeah, he doesn't have like the best body control, you know, at least for a five or a six year old. Uh, So in Kuala Lumpur, we went to the bird park. So it's this like aviary where um it's all open air but um you get to experience and see all these different types of birds uh so as we were walking around we got to this koi pond it's this pond that's kind of like 
barricaded off by rocks and you can look in and look straight into all the koi fish. And there's this like huge tourist group like feeding the fish at this koi pond. Yeah, so you can go into a little vending machine we got we you know, we put in a couple of coins, got some food to feed the koi. We had just gotten there too. We were there for like 30 minutes. Yeah, so we you know, we give all the food to the kids, like go and feed them. So then they they're these tiny round pellets that you just toss in. Uh so then, you know, the kids obviously just threw them all in at once and then they're like, oh, I want to feed some more. So then he saw that there were little pellets hidden like in the cracks of the rocks that formed the little barrier where the pond is. So he started reaching um, and I guess we we just weren't paying attention because all of a sudden, like, we <laughs> hear the splash. splash. <laughs> <laughs> and then Santi's like, like on his back in, in the koi pond, all the fish, like he fell on a couple of fish. I was hoping <laughs> that he didn't like hurt them. But <laughs> and like all of these tourists are looking at us like, the heck are you doing? It's like shock and silence. Like, oh, it's really funny, but... And like, then Santi was totally like he like he looks like the swamp monster yeah, like climbing like, out of this pond. Oh pipeline. man, I fell. And he was like kind of fine about it until this like little boy was like, "You stink!" Or I don't know what this little boy <laughs> yelled. And then Santi just like busted out in tears and was like, uh, super yeah. <laughs> "It was it was hard because we were trying not to laugh at him, but it was it was so hilarious." <laughs> Looking back, it's funny, and he appreciates the moment now. He didn't appreciate it much at the time, but. <laughs> And so we did the entire bird park with so Santi was soaking wet. Like he just dried off mm -hmm. in the sun because we were like, we just got here. It's hot. You're fine. <laughs> I, I love those moments. I, I love those. So I have. So when I was on my honeymoon, uh, my wife and I went to Croatia for a portion of it. And at what we were in this town on the island of Havar and we found this awesome restaurant and we had what I consider probably one of the most romantic dinners that we've ever had in our entire lives. I, I loved it. It was amazing. And to this day, that's that sitting at that table is one of my favorite experiences in the, you know, in my entire life. Afterwards, we're walking along the water and, you know, we're holding hands and there's, there's a, a boat ramp that you can take down into the water to go out into to the Adriatic Sea. And I wanted to feel the water. I was just curious, how warm was the water? So I'm walking down the boat ramp, and what I didn't realize was it was covered in algae. And I start sliding down the boat ramp and into the water. <laughs> my feet come from out on from under me, and I fall right on my back, right into the water, and was just completely soaked. And yeah, yeah, I didn't it was, hear this it was story. Like, uh, you did, yeah. I don't think I've told you. Marley has pictures of it. Um, and at the time, it sucked. It sucked because we were on this island and I had this completely. You're embarrassed. Oh yeah, shirt. Yeah, I was embarrassed. All these people heard it and saw it. It was, it was horrible. But it and the transition from being like this incredibly romantic dinner into that horrible fall uh, was weird. But now it all ties together and it's it's hilarious to look back at it and it's something that I, I hold I hold close to my heart. Yeah, it was a good time. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Things yeah. happen. Mm -hmm. Those are the moments you will like cherish, though. Exactly. Yeah, you have it forever, and it, it's it's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. On the on that same note, Rod, I saw that you really Jess, you might not like this, but Rod, I like I saw that you like to play pranks on Jess. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> have you had Have you had any good pranks while traveling? Oh man. Mm, not I feel like as... you did have one, and I was like, I'm trying to think. <gasps> I can't think right yeah. now. You probably have. Taking it easy on her. 
Yeah, <laughs> you're I mean, adjusting one of the, to the new lifestyle. We'll, we'll, one we'll of the big pranks that I like to play on her is anytime we we get a rental car, um, Jess sometimes doesn't pay much attention as to what car it is. So I go to the wrong to car a lot. Yeah, when we go to a parking lot, <laughs> she starts going to a car that's not our car. And then I'm like, hmm, let's play this out. So I, I just follow her. And then she's like trying to open the trunk. And some of the times like stuff opens in the cars because people leave them unlocked. And then she goes into the car. <laughs> and she's like sitting there and she's looking at me like, why aren't you getting in the car? And I'm just laughing. <laughs> like, That's not our car. <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble <laughs> one day. Someone's going to be like, what are you doing? Yeah, I think one of the times... Um, in in Southeast Asia, we get Ubers a lot. They're called Grab there. So you know, you I, I'm usually the one with the phone that knows like the the license plate of which Grab we're supposed to get in. So there's there's been one or two times when you know Jess will be like, oh, that's got to be our Grab, and she goes and opens the door, and it's like some random driver that is waiting there for somebody else. It's like that's not our Grab, Jess. <laughs> yeah, but you always tell me like wait, like you like After wait. you do it, yeah. <laughs> Until I'm in it, and the dude's like uh, staring at me, like, uh-huh. what are you doing? I'm like, aren't we going somewhere? Wait, where did everyone go? <laughs> Such a loving relationship. <laughs> yeah. You haven't really. She doesn't me appreciate that much. it in the moment, but we look back and laugh on it. No. <laughs> It is what it is. It's my fault, you know. I should be more observant, mm-hmm. but <laughs> yeah, I kind of yeah. just like I'm like, oh, whatever. We'll go with the flow. Yeah. <laughs> I don't see anything wrong with going with the flow. You what? You know, it's it's a, it's supposed to be a, a, a you know vacation. I'll right. meet I'll meet more yeah. people this way. Yeah, <laughs> right. Check out mentally. Yeah. <laughs> hey. Yeah. Uh, so so Rod. So one thing that I noticed when I was going through your website that I found pretty cool was. Uh, the reference you use, the four-hour work week. I'm actually reading that right now. Um, Rod loves the book. Yeah. Oh, man. Trans- oh, rightfully so. It's, it's huge. I wish Tim we would have written it. Awesome. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah, well, so I want to I, – I, you wrote a nice blog on it. I want to refer people to that if they're curious about the book to, to go to your website and check that out. I really liked what you wrote about it. I'm only – I'm only um, I'm doing it on Audible. I think I'm like an, two hours in or something like that. Um but yeah, it's great. And it really outlines how to get to where you are, you know, and it, it's not just where you are for anybody that wants to travel, but it's just how to incorporate what you want to do, how to enjoy life. And that working a ton just necessarily isn't isn't always the, the best way to fulfill your happiness. Yeah. So I think it was really eye opening for me. I wish I would have read that book earlier. Um, and the big difference now is, you know, there's not really a family version of it. I think a lot of that book is, yes, you're putting in the systems to be able to generate income and save and budget while you travel. Um, but traveling with kids is a different story because there's so many layers of depth and complexity that goes along with that. So finding a opportunity to tailor all of the principles that you know tim ferris put into it and uh kind of apply that to a family perspective i think is something that that would be really valuable because there's you know there's not really one solution everybody's going to be different and it's a little bit harder when you've got more people and dependents to to think about rather when rather than when it's just you um you know working for yourself and not having to worry about family accommodations or kids or safeties or hazards and things like that. So but it's, think- it's a really great introduction to the concept of location independence, um, income and online business. 
And I think that, you know, more people should should check it out if they get the opportunity to. But I think for you, your article on like perfectionism was a big one. I think that's the one you're referring to, right? No, it was the, I reviewed the four hour work oh. on the website. Yeah. Just kidding. See, this is why I get the wrong car. I don't know. <laughs> uh, a question I've had is since you're, you've been traveling for five months now how do you stay in touch with family back home that's been a big challenge to be honest it's actually been really nice in Australia it's way easier for us uh but in Southeast Asia the time difference was so drastic especially with like the kids friends um Santi has a friend Malachi back home and his cousins who he wants to FaceTime and see and it's like when we were getting up they were going to bed and vice versa so that was really hard. Um, I think for us, just really carving out that time. Um, you know, I try to call home, you know, once or twice a week. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some of our families are old school. They don't follow us on Instagram or Facebook. So <laughs> make sure we do an old school phone call. Uh, Rod's family is more into following us on Instagram and Facebook. So we can mm-hmm. kind of connect with them through there. Uh, so yeah. that part's been hard. We actually are really excited. Ne- this Actually, in a few days, we have the first people from back home flying out to visit us. Our best friends are coming out. Um, And so they have three kids that are best friends with our kids. And we're best friends with the parents. And then another couple as well who has four kids. So there'll be nine kids total. Six adults. (laughs) Six adults. Lots of beard. (laughs) Um, And they're all really nervous about the flight. They actually flew to Sydney today, but they aren't meeting us until Brisbane. Um, Mm -hmm. So I haven't caught up with them to see how that long haul flight went. But they have four kids, uh, I think eight and under. All of them are eight. So, yeah. Oh, that's. Yeah. It sounds like it's going to be fun, though. You got it. It'll be a lot of fun. We're really excited. To, I feel like it'll really re-energize us to have that mm-hmm. um, connection. And all of our friends have been super, super supportive. I think. I think that was something we weren't. I actually, I really was expecting, but like not <laughs> not that our friends would be supportive, but I wasn't sure how people would react to our announcement because we really didn't tell many people, and we pretty much just put out an announcement like. P.S. Rod quit his job. We're leaving. Yeah. <laughs> um, Let me get the charger because our oh, I need to charge it. Um, Best way to do things and is last minute. <laughs> we found people who are our age were super, super supportive. People who were in the older generation were really upset. Um, we got a lot of negative comments and misunderstandings. I would say of I what know, we're doing. Yeah, there. I've noted that's a theme that. that Older generations just don't understand this, especially older Americans. Traveling is was just not a big thing um, for them to do growing up. But uh, yeah, I, it, it yeah, it's it's a different world. We live in a different world. They didn't have the technology we have. They didn't. They don't view the world the same way. So older people funny, can my, suck it up. <laughs> really mad at first. Um, I think they're coming around now. I think the more work we get, the more they're like, okay, you weren't absolutely insane and this actually might be viable in the end. Um, But I think they just didn't understand. My dad kept saying, well, why would they pay you for a picture when they would rather hire a photographer? But you want a family who has an audience of people who have also families. And he's like, why would anyone care to follow you that you're traveling? And I'm like, well, I don't know. I guess (laughs) we'll try and find out. (laughs) Yeah. We had to really break it down and try to explain it to him. And I still think um, some of our family members, aunts, uncles, grandparents, they have no idea. Don't yeah. get it. But <laughs> yeah. That's OK. That's, all right. that's yeah, that's fine. It's <laughs> it's all right. Um, 
All right. Well, so I think I think we're uh, we're getting close to wrapping it up. But before we did so, do so, I want to give the two of you an opportunity to share all of your social media platforms where people can follow your incredible journey and and where people can and read or, or learn more about you. Yeah, so we are all over social media. <laughs> we our primary um, account is probably Instagram at the Jet Setting Family. We post there just about every day. You can see our day to day stories. We put out YouTube videos uh, every Sunday. Uh, the, just you know, search the Jet Setting Family. You'll find it there. We put out a couple of blog posts every now and then. We haven't been doing that as much lately. And we also have a podcast where we talk with other families that are either doing the full-time travel adventure lifestyle or are interested in getting into it or other professionals within the family travel industry to ultimately try to inspire um, families to travel more. So that's called the Jet Setting Family Travel Podcast. You can find it on iTunes, um, Google Podcasts, pretty much you know, anywhere um, there. And those episodes come out every Tuesday as well. Yeah, I'll be tuning into to your podcast because n- now with the newborn, I have this whole new perspective on travel itself. And that's something that I need to do my research on and, and learn all about. So I'm really excited to get into it. I think one thing that I guess we didn't bring up, I'll throw it in at the end, <laughs> is our motto since we left has been the phrase, choose to be happy. And it's been a silly motto that we didn't really think would impact our perspective, mm-hmm. I guess. But it's been so helpful traveling with kids. Um, and for us, it's kind of like there are times you'll have a long flight. And shockingly, the kids do really well. It's typically one of us who gets tired Because, you know, you're the one carrying the bags and doing the logistics. You're exhausted. Um, And I'll get grumpy or whatever. And Rod will just look at me. And we have a rule. You say it one time. It's a reminder. You just say, you can choose to be happy. And then you stop talking. (laughs) You don't bring it up again. (laughs) And it's like, we kind of give those checks. Santi will tell us. Like, if he can sense one of us is getting grumpy, we'll say, hey, mom, you can choose to be happy. Or we'll tell him. And it's amazing how that one silly little phrase while we're traveling sometimes, like it makes you stop and be, bring it into perspective. You're like, okay, I'm tired. But how lucky am I that I get to be in Chiang Mai right now? Or, oh, you know, something happened. We lost something. Or, you know, we broke the tripod on the cruise. And it's like, you know, how fortunate are we that at the end of the day, yes, it sucks you lost the money, but we have the means to buy a new one. And so I really think just kind of using that as a family check of like, you know, you're not really ag- like, you know, being rude to the person. Mm-hmm. You're just reminding them like you have a choice. The way you view life, the way you view this moment is a choice. And then, you know, sometimes, especially with Santi, it will change him and he'll be like, oh, yeah, I can. Sometimes he'll continue to be mad for 45 minutes. But it's like, you know, I feel like the more we practice it, the more yeah. maybe it'll come around and like full circle and he'll get the hang of it. Um but just realizing, I think it can be applied at home or, but for us yeah. while we travel. That. I mean, for everyone, things could be better and things could be worse as well. So just enjoy the moment that you like, have now and view it through a positive lens to to get through the day a little bit better. It should be. It'd yeah. probably be choose to be grateful, but with kids, happy works better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. that's been really a really good trick for us while we travel. And I hope, you know, for people who even do weekend trips or long trips when you, you know, your car breaks down or you run out of gas or whatever it may be, you can still find a way to find joy in that moment. I agree. I love it. And I, I think that's the perfect thing to end on. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for coming on the show, taking the time to do this. I know you're incredibly busy and we really appreciate it. 
very much. Oh, we're grateful to be on here with you guys. guys It was fun talking. It was fun. That is our show for today. That was truly inspirational. And I feel a lot more comfortable on my own travel decisions, having talked to them and knowing that it can be done. And I think if there's the appropriate amount of planning put into it, you can really do anything uh, with small children. And that's so I, I had pretty much all but written out Cambodia, Angkor Wat specifically, which had sat high on my bucket list for a long time. And I sort of ruled it out after my daughter was born. And now I am reassessing that. And I think that it can happen sooner rather than later. Yeah, definitely. And I'm really hoping that sooner rather than later, we'll be able to get Santi on. I want to talk to him. I was I was a little bummed that he wasn't going to be able to come on. Yeah, maybe next time. Seems maybe like when they're, cool they're on the... Yeah, yeah. When they're on the East Coast, maybe we'll have another conversation with them, catch up with them. Yeah. All right. Don't forget to reach out to us if you have some questions. Leave your comments, your criticisms, your critiques on any device, anywhere. We'll find them uh, as long as it's socially available. And once again, thank you for being wonderful listeners. Bye.